We're going to talk today about struggling with the call of God. I'm on a series now talking about the call of God because it's so important. If we miss the call of God in our life, we miss the opportunity to one day be able to stand before God and say, Lord, I did what you put me on earth to do. So the call of God has to be something we cannot miss. We must, number one, we've got to know what it is. Number two, we've got to be faithful in preparation that it will take to fulfill it. And the third thing is, we must fulfill it. Now Moses is a prime example of spending 40 years in preparation for the call of God. That he could spend the next 40 years, being 80 years old, to fulfill the call of God. So you don't get too old to start. Amen? Donald, you're not too old to start, are you? You don't get too old to start. But my, how, at your youth is the opportunity to lock in with the call of God. Uh, The word of the Lord says, God said, I know my plans that I have for you. God's got a plan for you. In fact, every day of your life is already written in his book. Uh, Take, for example, we all want to make sure that our name is written in the book. But in the book of Revelations where it talks about the book, it doesn't talk about just the book. It talks about books with an S. God has other books that he will open on that day. And one of those days, the Bible said in the book book of Psalms, that every day of our life is written in his book. God has a plan for us to where if we never find it, never fulfill it, never do it, God has a plan for us every day of our life. God has a call. There's three major calls we have to think about. First one is simply to be the call to know the Lord. Now, I pray that you fulfill that one. I pray that somewhere you walked an aisle, answered a call, prayed a prayer, asked Jesus into your heart, asked Him to be your Savior and your Lord. And because He is your Lord, then we get the second call of God on our life. And it's the call to live holy, for He is holy, the Bible says. We don't argue with it. That's why if God's dealing with you over certain things going on in your life that need to be changed about your life, that need to become out of your life, the things that need to go in, then that's good. That tells you, you're called by God. Because the second calling is to live a life that is pleasing to God. But there's a third calling, and I call it our mission. It's the reason we were put here. It's the reason that God didn't just call an angel Jerry. (laughs) The reason He created a body and named it Jerry. And that He created Sue and Lou and all the other wonderful names. Because God has a specific calling on your life. And not only is it important for you to fulfill that calling, the ones that you're to touch through that calling are dependent on you too. That means there are those out there that's crying this morning that don't understand why their life has ended up in such a mess. And you are anointed of God. You are called of God to be that one. That would interject into their life. It's a call of God. But now the call of God is not something that's just instant either. The call of God is a process of God working in our life. And the one I'm dealing with today, I want to deal with the struggle 
involved with the call of God. I'm going to deal with today about disappointments. Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the discouragements of the call of God. But we want to talk about the disappointments and how that can affect the call of God that the Lord has called you to. To take in Scripture, we're going to really the early service this morning. I'm starting where we left off there. We left off at one place in the early service, and marvelous group this morning, early service. But I'm going to start where we left. I don't usually do that because I want us to stay together. But it's just so much to say when it comes to the call of God. I spent the whole early service this morning dealing with the background that has to do with the call of God. Because let me tell you, there is a background. There is a background that has been worked into your life and all the chaos, all of the hectic things that's happened to you, all of the misunderstandings, all of the hurt and all of the things. That's part of the process that God is going to redeem to fulfill your calling. That's part of it. So it's important to the background. But we're going to take off today in 1 Kings chapter 19. Because 1 Kings chapter 19 deals with... A young man that in 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible says Elijah the Tishbite. I've been called a lot of things. I don't think I've ever been called a Tishbite. (laughs) But that's the way the Bible introduces Elijah. It says Elijah the Tishbite. That means he had no real meaning. His family had not been an important family. He hadn't been trained. Probably had no schooling. He was probably raised on a farm in the backside of nowhere. And finally, one day, God's put a calling. God's calling on his life brought him in front of Ahab, who was king of Israel at that time. And Israel at that time had drifted so far from God. They had drifted so far away to where they no longer just worshipped the one true God. They had many gods that they worshipped. And one of the main ones that they worshipped there was one called Baal. And the, almost the whole country had went... And the worship of Baal. And so to meet that need, God called a Tishbite. <laughs> God called Elijah. And one day, Elijah the Tishbite, that's the way he introduced, says, Elijah the Tishbite, he goes in front of the king. And he tells the king, he holds the king accountable to where that the nation has drifted to. And if he holds the king accountable, the king laughed him off. Who is this? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Who would think they could come in and announce this? But King Ahab had no idea that Elijah the Tishbite held the key to heaven's blessings upon a whole nation. So standing in front of him that day, Elijah announced to them that there would be no rain. And I'm sure that when Elijah walked out of the king's court, the king probably bent over from laughter. Who does that guy think that he is? That he thinks he can withhold rain? He can withhold the things from us that we need? Then the Bible says that God took Elijah. I tell you, it's a process dealing with the calling of God. That God took Elijah and the Lord sent him to a little 
creek, a brook, the Bible says. And the call of God leads you into places as God is working in us all of our lives, this call of God. It leads us into ways, it leads us into things that we have no idea that we thought we'd ever have to face. And Elijah found himself living totally alone on the side of a brook out in a wilderness being fed by ravens that would come in and feed him. But the process of God working his call into us is such struggle because the brook began to dry up. You would think that if you were in the will of God, you would not be suffering these needs. That's what the devil tells us, see. That's what goes over in our minds. That if you was in the will of God, this would not be happening to you. But there Elijah was very much in the will of God. He made a strong stand. He stood before an ungodly nation. The Lord Tishbite did. And declared what the And I want to tell you, what that's, that's one of the strongest things I believe that the call of God does. God calls us in the call of God to, to stand in front of the ungodly things of this world. And to hold them accountable. Love them at the same time, but to hold them accountable for the things that would try to drift us away from God. And I believe because socially acceptable is such a word nowadays that it's caused the church not to fulfill that role. And I believe across this world, God is calling men and women, giving them calls of God on their life to once again hold the world accountable and answerable. To God's will in their life. And so the brook dried up and then Elijah, I'm sure the same fears that you would face. And that's the part of the process of, that happens to the call of God that's been worked in our life. Then as the fears would be faced, as his brook then is drying up and, and now he is sent to be fed and taken care of by a widow lady that had no idea that she had was to take care of him. And he, would, he went to the widow lady, and, and as he would minister the word of the Lord, then God sustained him. But then the day finally came. In 1 Kings chapter 18. I said I wasn't going to give a background. Here I'm right in the middle of some background again. 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah is standing before the nation again. Because this time, Ahab said, Who was that guy? Who was that guy that was holding me accountable? Because it's been three and a half years with no rain. And the whole nation now is at the mercy. On that day, Elisha the Tishbite, he becomes a Tishbite. And he stands before that nation. And he says, I'm here once and for all to prove who is God. He says, we're going to bring our offerings. And you get Baal to bring our really, Elijah said, I'm going to take care of your offering. I'll give you an offering. And said, it's the God that answers by fire. He is the true God. And so in the midst of that, you know, the story is so wonderful. How Elijah gave the Baal worshippers first choice. Elijah was like standing as one man against the whole nation that had went ungodly. Elijah stands over here and 
And then the Baal worshippers, they began to chant and they began to call forth for Baal. But, but see, Baal doesn't come where Jesus is. And he didn't show up. So about mid-afternoon, his priest and his worshippers, they got worried that Baal was not coming and answering there because it was a God that answered by fire. It was the God that would come by fire and would take a hold to the offering and, and consume the offering that was going to be known as God. And all of this is conspired in the heart of God and spoken through the little man, Elijah. And in the process of that, they, by mid-afternoon, they begin to cut themselves and to bleed some way to make Baal come. I'm here to tell you, you may think that serving the devil doesn't have a price associated with it. I'm telling you, he is a blood-guzzling enemy. And he wants to do nothing but destroy you and destroy everything that you love and destroy everything you care about. Now, he has all the trinkets and the lights to begin that journey. But once that journey is begun, then he comes on you as a thief in the night. The enemy has a price tag. And so his worshipers, they began to bleed, bleed and, and holler and scream and yell and do all kinds of things trying to get their God to come. And he never showed up. And finally it came as the day grew to an end and Elijah simply said, we're going to make it hard for God. Some of you are worried about what you're going through because you think your situation is too hard for God. God knows. And so Elijah said, I'm going to make... Make it hard for God. And so Elijah began to take water, barrels of water, and pour it all over his sacrifice. In fact, he filled up, he had digged a trench around his sacrifice, and he filled up the whole trench with this water. Because he was making it hard for God. And then Elijah just simply called forth for the one true God. And from heaven there was sent a fire of God. And it came in and it consumed that sacrifice. And, and it, it, it consumed the whole sacrifice. And, it, and it, just, it just licked up all the water that was around it. And once and for all, it was proven to a nation who God is. And then Elijah, this little Tishbite, had this supernatural strength of God. And he took a sword and he went to the prophets of Baal and literally by himself he killed 450 of them. I'm not talking about a little powerless man. I'm talking about a man that has God's power in him. To let this nation know that there is a true God in heaven. And I tell you, at that moment, the little Tishbite really became the big Tishbite because Elijah was known far and wide. This is the man! This serves the true God and the whole nation almost immediately turned back toward God. Even Ahab was so excited to finally understand who the one true God. So Ahab jumped in his, jumped in his chariot and began to race it toward his home. Because he had a woman there waiting that he, was, he knew that she would be excited to know that he finally found the one true God. In the process of the time, in the run that they went forth, Elijah had this supernatural strength. I tell you what, you may feel weak, but I want to tell you what, in those hours, in those moments, there will be a strength that will come on you. Whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going, because you are called by God. In that hour, there will be a strength of God to come on you to be able to handle it for the glory of God. 
And there in the midst of that, Elijah was so excited that finally, finally, all those years he had spent beside that brook, all that period of time that he'd wait, all that time that he had prayed, all that time he was laughed at, all the time that he was ignored, finally was recognized in the nation that God is God. And he knew that the will of God had been done. So Elijah began to run with his feet. He outran the horses of Ahab. Such strength. So Ahab got there and he went in to see Jezebel. And I told him in the early service this morning, please don't name your daughters Jezebel. <laughs> name them Fido would be better than Jezebel. So he went in to, and he says, Jez, I, I finally found the one true God. But I want to tell you what, when you're fighting against spiritual forces, when you're fighting against enemy, you're not fighting normal things. And you're not fighting things of reason. What you're fighting, the battle, because you're involved with the call of God, God's call on your life, because it is involved with the call of God, then it is. It is supernatural forces at work. And this lady, Jez, was so conspired by the enemy. And the reason we know that, because she's still alive in the book of Revelations. Or it's not the physical person, but the spirit of that. The spirit that contests, that contests the things of God, that tries to stop the call of God. That spirit that attacks the man of God or the woman of God. That spirit that comes against you to try to destroy you. That spirit that's trying to stop you right now. That's put barriers in your life that he's refusing to allow you to go through. That one that's, that's put that barrier there and, and says, you can't go there. You're, you're too afraid. You're, you're, you're not up to it. You, you don't know enough. You, you can't do enough. That same thing is still at work today. And that spirit came over Jezebel to the point till she raised up in such anger and she wrote a letter. And she said, Elijah, this is what you did to my prophets. But by this time tomorrow, I'm going to do this to you. Then that's where 1 Kings chapter 19 takes off. And they have told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Now, I want you to know something. There is this process of this struggle with the call of God. You remember I said that it's, it's different. It's, it's really different because in the providence of God... Your weakness, God deals with it with His great providence. And the great providence of God. Here is Elijah that was able to literally kill 450 prophets of Baal and possibly 400 others that he had destroyed single-handedly. Here is one that was willing to stand in the king's court and allow them to laugh at him as he would declare the word of God. Here is one that was willing to sacrifice whatever it took to sacrifice now he finds himself running from one little woman. I'm going to say, when you face things about your call, they will be of supernatural origin that you will have to fight against. I can remember several years ago, and when, when I had such a battle, when I went through such a battle with depression, it wasn't like I began to think bad or began to think dark and my thoughts would begin to drift. No, I woke up one morning I went to bed one night and everything. But that's really not to happen because 
prior to that, for two years, God has spoken to my heart and said, you need to increase your prayer life. What's coming against you, you're not going to be able to handle. I answered the Lord when God spoke to my heart about that. I said, yes, Lord, I will increase my prayer life. But you know what happened? I didn't do it. It rocked through that whole year. I meant to. I didn't mean to disobey God. I didn't mean to be rebellious, but I did. It rocked through that whole year, and I disobeyed God. It came down then to the first of the next year. God came back to my, spoke in my spirit the same thing. God said, I told you, you needed to increase your prayer life. You're not going to be able to handle what's coming against you. I again called out to God. I said, God, I will. I'm so sorry. Because I, I wasn't trying to deceive the Lord. The heart was to do it. My time was the problem. I couldn't make it fit. I couldn't make it work out with the way I had it figured. And so in the process of time, for two years in a row, God dealt with me about increasing my prayer life. And for two years, I told him I would. But I really didn't. And then when it happened, then about April of that year, I went to bed one night and everything was good. Everything was sweet. There was joy. There was victory. But when I woke up the next morning, I woke up the next morning in the darkest dark I can't even explain. And that darkest dark, I woke up the next morning, which I went for days. I didn't even know whether I was eating or sleeping or anything. It was such a darkness that I couldn't talk to people. I couldn't even share with people in the church. And it took two years for me to finally be able to pray. You know why? Because I was facing something that was dealing with my call of God on my life that was deeper than natural things. What you're facing possibly has a deeper origin than what you think it has. That may be empowered by the enemy that's trying to stop the call of God on your life. Because the thing that the devil is, if he failed at keeping you from coming to God, his next goal is, is to always keep you ineffective. As long as he can keep you doing little things, I'm, I'm doing little things for the church, I'm, I'm doing these little things, I'm helping my neighbor out, I'm mowing her lawn every once in a while, I'm doing it. But to keep you from really fulfilling the call of God that God put you here on earth to fulfill, that's his goal. He wants to some way put a barrier that will not allow you to cross through to do the will of God. Because it's the call of God. That's going to destroy the enemy. It's the call of God. Amen. Where are my scriptures at? All right. And when he saw that, he arose. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came into and sat down under a broom tree. If you have your Bibles, if you're reading in your Bible, you need to circle that word wilderness. That is the place that is preparation for all that is called of God. You can just go through your Bible. As you go through your Bible, you will find that every great man or woman of God had a wilderness experience. There in that wilderness experience was the very thing. It was to remove the props out of their life. That's what the wilderness is for. It's to remove the things that we've learned to depend on. It's the things that we've learned to trust. God allows those to be removed in that wilderness. There are ten temptations, according to the New Testament... There are ten temptations or ten tests that takes place while we're in the wilderness. What I'm talking about is the place of preparation for the call of God in your life. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a child 
or if you're a teenager or whatever, if God has a call of God going on in your life, you're facing that wilderness. And God will allow things to happen in your life that will drive you into that wilderness. And the Bible calls the wilderness the great wilderness. And it says there's snakes there. There's poisonous things there. There is heat there. There is no water there. And God has caused the circumstances in your life to drive you into this wilderness. What you learn in that wilderness will determine the call of God being completed in your life. You've got to determine. It, I don't care what's come against me. I don't care what I've faced. I'm going to learn to trust God. I don't care if every prop that's pulled out of my life. I'm going to learn not to lean on props. I'm going to learn to lean on God. God's going to be my strength and God's going to be my stay. Now, as he was driven into the wilderness, the Bible says that Elijah found himself sitting under a broom tree. And under that broom tree, he's moving into a sleep. And you know by that time, it's moved into depression. The thing about it, in we, when we begin to see the progression of the pre- preparation for the call of God, God first allows something to discourage you. Well, what are you going to do with that discouragement? What are you going to do with that disappointment? What you do with that discouragement and that disappointment determines how deep that thing's going to go in you. Elijah evidently allowed that thing to go from being disappointed to being discouraged to full blown depression upon his life. And when he gets to that stage, it's harder to turn around. But it's still yet the preparation for the corridor. Let's go back and see what Elijah had to deal with very quickly. If you go back then to the end, as we remember, at the end of chapter 18, he's dealt with a nation that in a moment of time, they've seen God. They've watched the Lord come in fire. They've watched God consume the offering. They've watched the Lord. And then by the writing and by the anger of one lady, the nation immediately is turned back to paganism again. I'm going to tell you what, that's disappointment. As Elijah had given his life to watch a nation turn toward God. And then finally he gets an opportunity. Finally the opportunity has come for that nation to turn to God. Right in the middle of it, the devil throws a monkey wrench. Or he thinks it's the devil. The devil throws a monkey wrench. And the very thing that Elijah has tried to pray for, tried to believe for, tried to trust in God for, the very thing all of a sudden ends in complete disappointment. Elijah, in that sense, didn't realize that he was just in a chapter. He thought he was at the end of the book. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're going through discouragement, if you're going through disappointment, I'm here to tell you, you're just in a chapter. You're not at the end of the book. The problem that the enemy tries to do, that tries to, tries to remove everything natural out of your thinking to the process to convince you that this is the end. I'm here to tell you, this is not your end. 
This is not your end. This is not your end. I'm here to tell you, this is not your end. This is not your end. This is not where it's going to stop. Somebody says, I'm tired. Well, that's the first cause of depression. You know that? The first cause of depression is tiredness. It's when you've struggled laying awake at night because the discouragement starts off with can't sleep. You get worried. And the Bible so explicitly tells us not to be anxious over anything, but to pray about everything. And then God's peace will be able to keep us. What that tells us is this. When you're faced with that discouragement, you run to God, not away from God. The example is the two prophets in the Bible. You got Elijah, then you got Jonah. Both of them are great prophets in the Bible. Jonah found himself under a broom tree wanting to die. If you've ever read the book of Jonah, you may have read the part about the whale. But if you read the last chapter, the book doesn't end well. The life doesn't end well. Jonah's life doesn't end well. Do you know why? Because when he began to be discouraged, he allowed that discouragement to run him away from God. Elijah said, I'm going to be different. This discouragement is going to cause me to run to God. And that's the difference that's what's going to be able to make the man of the call of the Lord. It's the person that will run to God in the midst of their discouragement and then the man that runs away from God. You may not can help the discouragement. You may not can help the depression. Because this thing may be of spiritual origin. You may be fighting an enemy that you have no idea what you're fighting. What you're fighting may be linked to former generations. In fact, those spirits operate even to the fourth generation. What you're fighting may be what your grandmother fought. It may be what your mother didn't fight. It may be what your great-grandmother didn't fight. But now it's come down on you. So you've got a choice. You're going to be the same and end up the same and stay in the same bondage. Or you're going to break that thing and come out of that for the glory of God. You've got the choice. Because when you're talking about dealing with the call of God, you're not dealing with natural elements. And the whole thing that the enemy tries to put in the mind and the hearts of people, that this is natural. She disappointed you. But she meant to do that. And all of a sudden, during this, during this trial, is the same thing where Elijah got his face. All of a sudden, he got his eyes on Jezebel. Instead of realizing, it's not Jesse. It's what's behind Jesse I'm fighting. You hear what I'm telling you? It's what's behind Jesse that I'm fighting. And the very time that you begin to see people as your battle is the very time that you have begun to degrading down into a depression that's going to only take God to get you out of that thing. You hear? So what you've got to do, you've got to determine, I'm on a spiritual journey. You can't live like the world, honey. You can't think like the world. You can't operate like the world. The world has nothing on you. And I know the world's taught us to be socially accepted that we got to be like the world. I'm here to tell the world today, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to think like you. And what's the other little song in the Disney movie? But I don't want to do any of those things like the world. God has called me on a spiritual journey. Therefore, you've got to determine what you're facing is spiritual. It's a spiritual origin. The enemy's out to stop the call of God. But I'm determined I'm going to break through this thing. If it's inferiority, if it's insecurity, if it's fear, if it's anger, whatever it is, I'm going to break through this thing. I'm going to come through it for the glory of God. Amen. 
Well, this series may be a little bit longer than I thought it would be. The first thing you've got to know, God provides for you and your weakness in the wilderness. God's provision for your weakness in the wilderness. God will provide for you. The Lord knows where you are in just the same way as Elijah woke up under that broom tree, unable to get himself out of the point of discouragement. But God in his great provision sent an angel. And when Elijah woke up, that angel had prepared from God spiritual meal. There was some way to bring him back to life. And the angel strictly said, said, the journey is too much for you. That's God's word to all of us too. The journey that God's called you on to fulfill his calling is too much for you. You will never be able to fulfill it by your own power, by your own education, by your own ability. So God has to bring you into the wilderness to get those props knocked out from under you. So we could become dependent on Him. Because the success for all of us to fulfill the call of God is our dependency upon Him. Elijah knew some way that food gave him enough strength. And Elijah knew the only thing missing call of God working in his life was the presence and the touch of God and the hearing of that still small voice. So the Bible says that Elijah got up and went in the strength of God's provision that God had provided for Elijah's weakness. They said he got up and he ran 40 days to get to a place where he could just hear God. Because he remembered My life's not held together by the things I know, by the things I can do. My life is held together by the Word of God. And I can just hear that Word all that's been broken. All that's been shattered. 
take care of my disappointment, to take care of my discouragement. If I can just hear God one more time. So wherever you are in that wilderness, God's provision is miraculous to help you to get where you need to be to hear the word that will forever change it. You know, Billy, I can just see the Lord. I mean, I can see Elijah. I can see him not thinking that he has strength. Make the Lord, I'm going to have the strength. Just can't keep going. And God says, Elijah, you're running in my strength, not in your own. And he gets to the edge of that mountain. And it's everything he can do to grab one rock, to, to grab another rock, to grab another rock, to some way get up to where he can hear God. Because that's what depression and discouragement does. It puts you in a place where you can't hear God. Everything's dark. Let me close with this little last story. Chuck Yeager. Was one of the greatest fighting heroes of World War II. He was so courageous, he had no formal training. None at all. No higher education. But what he had was this courageous spirit. And every time he would hit a barrier that was in him to break through that barrier, I will break through. He became an ace the first day he flew against the enemy. Never happened again. The first day he flew, he was a hero. He challenged the enemy's planes for the rest of the war. And then in 1947, it came a close. The war had ended back in 42, 43, and then the process of it. Now he's 47. But that same heart, I won't let a barrier stand in my way. So without any former education, and he was limited on what he could do, in the military from that point on, so he climbed in his little Mark 1. And he started the approach toward the skies. The faster he would go, the more disoriented he would become. The faster he would go, the more erratic his plane would become. It would come to places where that as they would try, it would, it would literally fall miles. It would just be headed toward an upstream and, and literally just fall a mile. And you can't seem to bring it back under control. But he was determined. No barrier is ever going to stop me. When everyone else before him had pulled back on the throttle of his life, Chuck Yeager pushed the throttle. says as he approached the dreaded sound barrier of the time everything was shaking all the instruments were crazy 
There was nothing that was rational to him anymore. The sound increased. The, the sound became so loud and so you couldn't hardly hear anything. And he said, but all of a sudden, he hit what men had feared for all so many years. And he broke, and our history will never be the same again. He broke through the sound barrier. And said immediately when he went through it, he said it was so hard and so bad, but immediately when he went through it, everything was so peaceful. Everything was so quiet. He finally found the utopia of flight beyond the barrier. I don't know about you, but the enemy has tried to set barriers in all of our lives. It's what we're going to allow that barrier to control. It's going to determine our future. Because what God put in you to search for is beyond that barrier. That barrier may be fear, may be insecurity, it may be family issues, it may even be your health. But everything that God put in you to want and desire is beyond that barrier. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. To consider the call of God of that importance in your life. That you're willing to break through whatever needs to be broken through. Don't matter what that wilderness is trying to drain out of you. No matter what that wilderness is trying to do to you. No matter what that wilderness is trying to make you. You're determined. I'm going to go through this thing. And I'm going to come out of this thing. I'm going to come out of this thing prepared for the call of God. That God has on me and my life.